What is up, everybody? I am Tanner coming from you from the All You Can Hear Network. And today we have a little something special, a little out of our norm, our wheelhouse, something that <laughs> has been attempted multiple times uh, in like the last six months. Uh, I'm sitting today one on one with a professional wrestler, one half of Violence is Forever, Dominic Greeny. Dom, how you doing? Good, good, Tanner. So, yeah, like you said, I think we, we've been trying to do this since, like, April, legitimately. Um, it was like, I think you hit me up, like, a couple weeks before Japan, and you're like, hey, go to Japan and come back, and we'll talk about Japan. And then I just think, like, it went dark, and then a couple weeks ago, you're like, hey, do you still want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So. Yeah, yeah, like, so much happened. Like, I, I hit you up. I think it was, like, the day before you were leaving for Japan. And I was like, Oh, I didn't even think of the logistics of you going to Japan. And then like, you've been super busy and I've been super busy, you know, I got a, got a new shoot job, whatever. Uh, but now we're here finally talking uh, some professional wrestling. Uh, and I'm super excited because I don't, I'm trying to think of the last time I like, we physically saw each other and it was probably 2019. I say probably pre pandemic, really. Probably, yeah, like, it's definitely pre COVID or something like that. Yeah, definitely uh, pre COVID. So it's been a hot minute. So I just wanted to sit down today and kind of uh, catch up because on one of the our first episodes ever, episode 15, when we uh, did like the SEI stuff, you were on that show like yeah. all the way back in 2017. And that was like the first time oh, wow. I met you. And that was like our first show that really kind of blew up in other circles besides like our personal circles yeah, so i, I kind of wanted to... like a lifetime ago at this point it, it really is like you were god i mean so much has happened just like personally and just oh yeah everywhere in the last six 2017 years. yeah <laughs> yeah and that's kind of what it, i want how i wanted to start this uh this i don't know what you want to call it an interview a show uh, who knows um i kind of wanted to start this out because yeah you were primarily a singles wrestler uh in 2017 and uh, I, you know in 2019 you and uh kevin Koo, violence is forever started teaming and now that's like the primary gig and i wanted to kind of like get your thought process of what it was like going from a primary singles guy to now i mean just in the last year, you've been to Germany, you've been to Japan, you've been all over the U.S. Yeah. as this tag guy. Like, how how is that? Is that how you expected your quote unquote career to look like six years ago when we first oh, sat down? No, absolutely not. No, if somebody tells you that they're becoming a, a professional wrestler to be in a tag team, they're a liar to you. Um, no one imagines that a tag team match is going to main event WrestleMania. Uh, it did this year. Awesome. Also happened to be one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, so maybe that stigma was gone. But when you go in this, and, and I've had these talks with my students and just people in general, when you get into professional wrestling, you know, you want to go and you want to be the WrestleMania main eventer, you know, but at some point you got to figure out what's going to be best for you. Um, so last time we talked would have been probably been pre-even my Evolve run. So I get my I go through my Evolve run, um, you know, it ends somewhat unceremoniously, and kind of like looking for answers and like looking at the question and i remember talking to ethan page of all people and i had talked with him about his time with uh josh alexander when they were a tag team um probably this is before they reformed monster mafia but 
when Ethan and Josh were first starting to kind of get their exposure mm-hmm. on the indies, they made the decision to be a tag team because they felt they could get further together than separate. And it was kind of something similar with Kevin and I at the, at the time, both of us were going through like real life stuff and we ended up becoming best friends out of it. And we kind of just said, what if we become a tag team? You know, we're, we have very similar wrestling minds and there's really not a lot of independent wrestling tag teams. And this is like late 2018, latest 2018. And it was just like, okay, let's do it. And, you know, it presents itself with a lot of logistical problems, but no, I really did not see myself being, you know, widely known as one of the best tag team wrestlers in the world. Yeah, I, I told you before we started this, I was like, hey, like, if you don't have anything to bring to the table, I'm probably going to spend the whole half hour, like, gassing you up. But legit, so it's been so cool, just like, from a personal level, like, you know, getting to know you, like, obviously sitting down with you six and a half years ago at this point. Um, which again, like you said, was a lifetime ago, like, holy shit. Um, but two, like you, like you said it yourself, you are one of the one half of the premier tag teams. I mean, definitely in the U S but like worldwide, like, I mean, I, I know people from other countries that like hold you and Kevin in very high regard, you know, constantly have been in like tag team of the year discussion. Um, and especially with like tag team wrestling, especially like during, I would say the first like 2020, the first like actual year of like no crowds, clap, crap, you know, clap crowds, whatever in a lot of the world. Um, tag team wrestling kind of seemed like it was on like a downward slope. But I really think, you know, y'all are a not small part of the fact that tag team wrestling has not taken a backseat and is like one of like I I go seek out tag team wrestling now because like I feel like there's been sort of like this revitalized effort, especially in America, where it seems like tag teams are becoming a bigger focus again. And I have to say, like you and Kevin, in my eyes, I mean, maybe you'll see it different, are kind of like the leaders of that charge. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, when they went and did the first Tag Team of the Year award back in 2019 uh, for TV, uh, I mean, at that time, like, Kevin and I were, like, somewhat surprised to win it. Um, fast forward, it's 2022, we win it for the fourth year in a row. I think this year will be the first year we don't win the TV Tag Team of the Year. Just because our exposure on the IWTV app, our IWTV network has been a lot less this year for many different reasons, you know, whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff goes into kind of the revitalization, the renaissance of tag team wrestling. I mean, I think that having two pretty successful singles guys set aside Mm -hmm. their singles careers except for a couple places and say, hey, we can be one of the best tag teams in the world if we combine has helped out and has made other people think like, hey, these guys are willing to give up their singles Maybe we could be a tag team. Um, and I think that says something. I think the push of tag team wrestling on television has been big. A lot in AEW, clearly. You know, FTR has been, you know, programmed as one of the kind of top tag teams, you know, anywhere and everywhere they go. Emergence of, you know, international tag teams <clears throat> like Aussie Open coming on as strong as they have has been big, you know, prior to, you know, Jay Briscoe's death. The Briscoe Brothers resurgence was huge. The machine guns are yep. back. So it's like kind of like tag team wrestling is kind of in like a new golden era. Obviously, like I had stated earlier, you know, 
tag team wrestling main event of night one of WrestleMania this year, um, which is something that I think a lot of people never thought would happen. Um, so it's really cool. And, you know, it's, it's cool that some people think that Kevin and I are somewhat responsible for that. You know, like I said, I remember a lot of people pulling me aside in 2018 and saying, what are you doing? Why are you going to be a tag team wrestler? It was more of just the idea of, like I said, I've done a lot as a singles guy. I think I can do more as a tag team wrestler, at least at the current moment. And, you know, if for whatever reason that, you know, that tag team stuff fades out, we did it, we tried it. And, sad, and you know, to the contrary belief, everybody, five years later, we're still rocking as strong as ever, Kevin and I, so. Yeah, I think, like, I remember when you and Kevin, like, started teaming together. I'm like, oh, that seems like, I, I just never would have put, like, you two specifically together solely because I feel like y'all work at the time worked different styles. Like I remember when we first talked in 2017, you talked about like some of your biggest influences, like, and how people were sending you like tapes specifically of like Yoshiaka mm-hmm. Fujiwara, who I don't feel, you know, it's not a tag guy. So when you started teaming with somebody like Kevin Koo, who again, I, I see as sort of like the, antithesis to Fujiwara's style again this is my 2018 2019 brain thinking i was like well that's weird but oddly it may work and then here y'all i mean again i'm sure like even y'all a a few years ago didn't expect it again to lead to y'all going into japan germany all over the u.s so kevin and i were confident ourselves that we could be that good uh but yeah you know it's a lot about like that really weird Fort Minor song. I, I don't know how you get to the to the fuck the name of the game part of it. Um, but you know, it's all about just the hard work, the grind. You know, and that's Kevin and I will tell anybody that, and I, we get a lot of questions. People ask us stuff, and it's just like we ate a lot of shit sandwiches to get where we were. <laughs> um, a lot of eight yeah. to twelve hour drives uh, for very little money. Um, a lot of stuff like that. And, you know, when we met, when we first teamed, yeah, of course, you know, you had me who was primarily, you know, with the, with the grappling style and Kevin was just kind of more of a total hybrid style. So realistically to me, when we started teaming and part of like our big brain set of what we were was we were Tim and Walter. We were, we we're going to be an American version of that. Just guys that aren't as big as those guys, but, you know, I could grapple them. Kevin could, could smash them and that'd be the idea. And my style has grown immensely since then to the point where I, you know, I had fans that told me that they did not like 2016 through 2018 Dom, but then they saw me wrestle in 2019 and beyond and were like, oh my God, you're so much different and I I enjoy your style so much more now. So, you know, it's always a different strokes for different folks kind of thing. So, um, you know, that's worked out well. And yeah, I don't think Kevin and I ever thought, you know, we would be as far as we are, you know, one of the things Kevin and I used to watch all the time when we were hanging out when we started the tag team was we watched progress all the time and you know last year around this time we were able to go over and, and wrestle for progress and wrestle Aussie open for progress and you know get please come back chance so it's just like it's such a full circle thing for him and i you know to put everything together and you know him and i you know right after we got back from japan or right as we were going to japan we had like this moment where it was like it's so cool to do this but it's even cooler to do this with your best friend and that's one of the really, really cool things about tag team yeah. wrestling is you get to have those moments with your best friend. Yeah, no, that and like that comes across like how 
y'all perform in the ring. I mean, it's especially, you know, now after y'all have been teaming for so long, but y'all are so in sync. And I feel like <laughs> y'all wouldn't be that in sync if y'all legitimately didn't like each other or something like, you know, sometimes you can tell. Um, but y'all are just like, I, I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of like the, the fluidness of like uh, a motor city machine guns who y'all actually, you know, had the opportunity to go up against recently which I'm sure was super cool with for y'all. I would love to hear about that, but it's it that it is nice for like from the fan perspective to see it as like, you know, wrestling is a fairly cynical business, uh, but like two people that are, you know, a, like, like you said, best friends with each other, B just like legitimately good people to like having the success. Like it's super nice and rewarding um and i like again i feel like right now like especially y'all's run in and like deadlock for instance it's just like super cool because y'all are doing just i mean not like stuff that wouldn't even have happened on the indies pre-pandemic like for there to like a main event feud to be you know kind of centered around tag team wrestling and like have this old school build up around it like I mean, it's just really cool to see so i really think like y'all and you know like workhorsemen like on the independent scene and like you said motor city machine guns and all of them like really just have bought back a style of wrestling that works in so many different ways and it's just so yeah it, and a lot of that credit though too that goes to you know johnny tony and uh james at deadlock for you know taking the chance you know of putting us as the main event level feud in their company you know, they didn't have to do that, especially yeah. because, you know, leading into a lot of the stuff, you know, there were a lot of scheduling issues with workhorsemen, you know, getting pulled for AEW ROH dates. And, you know, they had enough faith in not only them, but us. And they let us, you know, carry the ball for them. And it's led to, you know, us and those guys becoming like really just good friends, you know, outside of wrestling, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just like the Renaissance, like I said, tag team wrestling, you know, back in 2012. 21 like late 2020 early 2021 everybody had always just said oh well you know avance forever and ftr like that's the match like that's that's the only match you know once that happens it's, it's you know dead and gone and i think that you know over the time of the last few years you know more teams have been built up other teams came back you know like if you would have told me in 2020 mm-hmm. while the pandemic was going on hey the motors and machine guns are going to come back and be just as good as ever i would have told you you were a psychopath you know um, so yeah. it's just like everything's kind of opened back up and that's been so cool and you know just such a great opportunity for sure no like absolutely like I couldn't imagine like how rewarding it feels like you said y'all both ate a ton of shit sandwiches and like how rewarding it is now how y'all as a tag team are in my eyes and a lot of people's eyes like one of the top acts in on the American independent scene, just like throughout the whole country, not even a particular region. Um, and I really wanted to talk uh, for just a second about going to Japan. Cause I obviously like a was kind of like the whole reason we even like wanted to do this. And I know y'all went to Japan six months ago at this point or whatever, but I, I wanted to know like how, that felt like from being told like uh, I don't know if I would like hitch my wagon to like this whole tag team thing because like 
the American Indies don't really have a place for like top build tag teams right now. And then here y'all are 2023 y'all flying out to Japan as you know, in my, again, in my eyes, one of the premier independent promotions in America's tag champs and y'all wrestling, you know, like Takanashi and Chris Brooks, uh, for you know like in japan like i just want to know like how not necessarily how that came together but like what did that do for yours and i you know i don't know if you want to speak for kevin but like where where did that move y'all's goalposts to per se like for the rest of this year yeah, in 2024 um, how did i feel i mean I remember there were rumbles. Like we had heard that DPW was gonna go do Japan. They were gonna do some co-pros with Gato move, and we had known that it was probably gonna be either us or the Workhorsemen going. Um, I think it was yeah, it was around January. I think we had just or no, it was beginning of February. We had kind of figured it out. Um, we had I had gotten a message from Johnny Deadlock, and he said, "Hey, what's your phone number?" I was like, that's weird. So I called, or I called, he asked my phone number, and Koo was like, hey, Billy Johnny's going to call you. He goes, you're taking us to Japan. I was like, oh, this is really, really fucking sick. Um, and then I talked to Johnny a little bit. I talked with Kev. And then that was actually, coincidentally, the weekend we lost the IWTV tag titles. Um, funny enough. So I didn't cry <laughs> too many tears over losing those. Um, but um, it was just that, you know, they made the decision. We were the only foreigners to go. Um, and we got lucky because the game plan was to get us visas, but it all came along too quickly. So it was kind of like, hey, you're going to come here as travelers and hopefully they don't kick you out. Um, because they wanted to take Andrew Everett, but Andrew had <laughs> just been to Japan recently for DDT. So they felt like him coming back and so recently he might get flagged yeah. and they didn't want to do that to him. So we were the only Americans that went. Um, and... The travel to go to Japan was even crazier when you really put it into perspective because in hindsight, I would have canceled every booking I had going or the bookings I had going that weekend and I would have had them fly me out on Thursday. But Kevin and I had already taken a date in California on the Friday before we left. We both left on Sunday. So we had dates in California and then I had to come back and I had AIW in Akron, which is 20 minutes from my house, so I don't try to not miss those ones. So... That travel day was like Friday. I was supposed to leave in the morning. I got a, a text alert on Thursday night before my Friday flight that my flight was canceled, just wholeheartedly canceled. I spent two hours on on uh, on the phone trying to get my flight rebooked because this is for a newer company in California, and they had booked a match that had not happened to us versus the West Coast Wrecking Crew, which was like a big match for both of us because like we'd all wanted that match. So... Now I'm on the phone to the promoter being like, hey, they've completely canceled my flight, man. Uh, so to their credit, they bought me a very, very expensive flight to get me there. But I didn't, I wasn't able to leave Cleveland until like 4 o'clock on Friday. So I landed in California at 9 p.m. California time, drove right to the venue. Everybody, match is called. I have to change my gear. We go out and wrestle, come back. I have a 6 a.m. flight the next morning. Why? or LA to Denver, Denver to Cleveland, Cleveland drive to Akron, which is an hour. I go, I wrestle with Fred Rosser, and then my flight the next morning is at 9 a.m. And then flight to Japan is 14 hours, so I, I do that. So just even all that, and I wish I, now I wish I wouldn't have had the other book because I would have left Thursday. I would have gotten to spend more time in Japan. But man, just the week we got to spend in Japan was like my favorite time I've had in forever. Um, 
because it was it was so well balanced. Kevin and I balanced the trip so well. It was like land, have like a night to walk the t- walk Tokyo a little bit, and like go to sleep. Wednesday we wrestled. Uh, we wrestled that first match against CDK. You know we had a chance to really explore you know Japan again on that day before the match. Uh, Thursday we went to Tokyo Disney. Um, Friday we wrestled, or no, uh, Thursday we wrestled the second match. Friday we went to Disney Sea, and Saturday I had to go home. You know, Kevin and the Deadlock guy stayed longer, but it was awesome. And and like you said, so where did our goalposts go after that? And realistically, I think Kevin and I had always been like, well, you know, we're just happy being the guys. We're just happy being guys. I think after Japan, the goalposts moved to. We either wanted to get signed to a TV-based company, you know, likely, and I've, I've said this before, we are likely a better fit for the Ring of Honor tag division than we would be for, like, the AEW tag division. I don't know if what we do works every week on TV. Um, and if we're not there, we want to be regular Japan tour guys, whether it be with Noah, New Japan, uh, Big Japan, something like that. That's kind of our, our game plan, what we want. So that's where our goalpost moved is to try to, you know, spend more time in Japan or, you know, finally kind of finalize a contract somewhere and get and get on TV because just kind of like not trying to be like cocky or arrogant, but we have kind of done everything that we can do on the American Indies as a tag team besides just be the best guys out there. Um, I remember sitting in a hotel room probably five months ago with Kev and I just said, you think this is how Nigel and Danielson felt in, like, 2007 when they were, like, clear-cut best in the world at something and they just were, like, waiting for the call? And we've always just thought that now, so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that that I can definitely see that. That That is, like, it. it feels like for... Probably pre, uh, probably like during pandemic, like just when hardly anybody was running, it really felt like the indies were quote unquote drying up. But I, I guess with just more promotions running, like you've actually seen this, like oh no, there's been like this revitalized effort in the indies in general, and it does feel like it's reaching that boiling point now. Where I mean, like you said, like how Nigel and, and Brian must have felt in 07, it definitely feels like like. Y'all definitely fit the criteria of just like y'all are y'all are like I don't want to say indie vets because y'all haven't like time wise, but also like the last three years have been fucked anyways. So like the last yeah the last three years have been like fifteen years. So it just feels like y'all are just like I, I don't want to say cut above. I really don't want to gas you up that much, but you you know what I'm trying to say. Like it feels yeah, like y'all have like done your. Yeah, Done I mean, lap, like the last real thing and we had to do feel- on the Indies was kind of like win the IWTV tag titles because it was something we had told Jerry for three years to do. You know, we did that at the end of the year, and now it's just kind of like, well, we're here. We're going to have the best match out every time. You know, we're going to, you know, represent Deadlock as a tag team at all times, you know, because they're, it's kind of like they put their, their faith in us. So that's like our main tag team focus, you know, but... Mm-hmm. The game plan is, as always, you know, I always tell everybody this. I started wrestling in 2016, well, 2015 is when I started training. I never really had any illusions of grandeur that I was going to be signed to a TV product. Obviously, 2015, the landscape was changing a little bit. You know, WWE was signing more indie guys, but I never thought of myself as somebody that, like, the WWE would sign. I was like, eh, 
never going to be super jacked, super shredded. Like, I'll look like, like I could kick your ass. But So I never really thought that WWE was necessarily going to be, like, a thing. And at that time, I'd said to myself, you know, gay books evolve. And I love 2002 through 2000 and you know, 9 ROH that he booked. So if I could just get to where Gabe books and I could be part of that, I think of that as a, as a win. And I did that really early on. So as you talk about moving goalposts, so the goalposts moved. And realistically, when we started the tag team, yeah. I don't know where the goalposts really even were. It was just like, man, we just want to be one of the best in the world at what we do. And I think we've, you know, kind of gotten to that point now. So like I said, the goalposts are at a point of like, man, we really just want to, you know, really showcase what we have on, on a bigger level. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I like, I just you talking about like the ROH TV product. I, I totally agree. I, I feel like y'all would fit in, like y'all are t- tailor made for, or it is tailor made for you. But also, like, I can't help but like the fan in me be like, man, they would really yeah. have like a fucking. I feel like all Japan, run, and, they like, they no have a certain type of <laughs> that they, they like. So I don't know if we do that, but I think like we would have a sick junior tag run on either Noah. Or New Japan, like it was funny when we first got the deadlock gear made. There, when Kevin first made our deadlock gear, that orange and black gear we wore for the deadlock tag tournament. I looked at him, I said, you "Should probably send a picture of this to, like Zach or Robbie Eagles and be like, hey, you guys need a junior tag.'" It was like, at, they're like the only faction in New Japan that doesn't have a junior tag. I was like, "Ah, I, was like, you could fit I mean, that build nicely." <laughs> I, I mean yeah absolutely well don before we go i i have uh some questions to just like one more um so i feel like and, and maybe you you'll feel differently i feel like your coming out performance was wrestlemania week in 2018 aiw uh you have surrender the, the no rules the you know the no holds barred match with yeah, yes, yes. I couldn't remember the exact name of it. With Joshua Bishop. Uh, and that's really the first time we get yes. this glimpse of what has been colloquially referred to as Deathmatch Dom, uh, which I can't help <laughs> but love. Like, anytime, you know, you're in the camo shorts, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, we're getting a banger. Uh, mm-hmm. And I recently watched the the Bill Alfonso second annual hardcore tournament yeah. where you uh, wrestled Ziggy Haim, who I've never seen before. Um, but I feel like you kind of you know had that deathmatch dom i guess style go- going into that match and, and we've yeah. seen it a few times and we've even seen it a few times in tag uh stuff so i wanted to ask what as somebody that is like at the top of their game as a tag wrestler what is it for you as a wrestler where sometimes you're just like i just want to uh, that's a great question fucking bleed. Uh, it's, it's like what funny. like um, what what is that thought process for you sometimes those performances especially like the uh especially like the the bishop match you know that wrestling weekend like it's a well-known story and, and thorn tells us on the aw podcast like we were almost left off of that show which you know to him and i you know me being at the position I was at, at the time, and, and Josh being kind of like the hottest prospect we had at the time, us almost getting left off that show. We not saying we felt disrespected, but we felt like we had something to prove going in there. Um, and for those of you people who don't know, Josh and I grew. Like Josh is like a younger kid from my hometown. Like 
we like live like literally 15 like 10 minutes from each other and for the longest time when he was training him and i would would carpool to train together we would watch dvds and because he had like i go this weird hijacked like stereo system that you could watch like a dvd on the stereo system while you were driving um so like we do that so like we were like ready to go and a lot of people don't know it's like one of josh bishop's like favorite wrestlers is homicide um so we had like all these ideas and like I'm like a big deathmatch head. Like I loved watching deathmatch wrestling and hardcore wrestling when I was younger. Uh, I think I told you know Robles and Burns this from Smartmark. Think like if you like they can go back and look at my purchase history. The first VHS I purchased was Cage Death Six, and the first DVD I purchased was Term of Death Four. So it's like I used to buy and watch deathmatch stuff all the time. And like I have my limits when it comes to death, to deathmatch stuff, like which the stuff I'm willing to do is a lot more than like let's say if Kevin and I were to have a tag team hardcore match, the stuff I'm willing to do is a little more than Kevin for whatever reason. Maybe I don't like myself as much, um, but I just I like hardcore wrestling and I like the I like the challenge of it. It's like a different canvas. Like I've got 15 more paint palettes to to paint with in a deathmatch or a hardcore match. Like okay, how can I do use this door? How can I use this weapon? oh, hey, Chris Brooks uses those plastic bins in DDT. Let's use that in America because no one's seen that, and it doesn't really hurt as much as you think it does, and it makes a lot of noise, and it looks cool as shit. So, like, I look at a little stuff like that. Um, just, like, a lot of stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, for me, like I said, I just like to be an artist of, like, a different kind of shade, a different kind of, like, style, you know, when I can. Obviously, when my life is all in order and I'm not feeling like I want to die all the time, I don't want to do nearly as many hardcore matches, but I also know that, and Kevin knows this too, and we know this as a tag team, we have one in the chamber that we can go out and give you this crazy blood death, ma- or this crazy blood hardcore match that's going to like live up to like what an 80s style territory feud blow off would be, which like if you watch the cage match between us and the workhorsemen, we were both ready to bleed on that. And I remember Harry Aaron, you know, he saw me up in the ba- up, up in the yep. locker room and he says, well, how do you feel? And I said, I'll actually after the match, I said, but if I'm not Jay Briscoe, Samoa Joe steel cage match levels of bloody. I'm gonna be upset at myself. I look at I look at stuff like that. Yeah, no, I. Yeah, and and that cage like yeah, I feel like that cage match does really harken back to like the '80s like territory style blow off, uh, like blood match. And, and I I guess that's one thing I. Like, again, obviously, like, I think you're a fantastic wrestler anyways, obviously. But um, I I do like how you can, like, make the distinction. Because, like, with the Bishop match, like, you I I remember, I'm pretty sure I messaged you immediately after that match. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Why are there skewers in your ear? Like, that just seems like such, like... I have some bugaboos. I have some bugaboos. Like, like you, me, you talk about, oh, I don't do the gross stuff. Do I, is, that, I, to I me... Hardcore guy that does them this is gusset plates. Because, like, to me, that's made to hold together a barn or a house, not my body. Um, and then also, I've talked enough with, like, Nick Gage. Nick Gage is, like, the most adamant, I hate yeah. uh, gusset plates guy because they hurt. He goes, they hurt like a motherfucker, and they get no pop because it makes no noise. So people don't like it. Uh, but no, that skewers in the ear spot. I told this recently t- on yep. a Fightful podcast. That spot was like, I've had that spot in the back pocket forever. Um, like literally that spot was going to, I wanted BJ Whitmer, uh, even though he's, he's now canceled. I, I want BJ to do that spot to me back in 2018, 
you know, when we had our Submitter Surrender match, and he just refused to do it. He's like, I will not do that. And Josh is a psychopath, so he's more than willing to do it. Um, you know, when you look at, like, Josh Bishop's <clears throat> 2019, what a what a year that guy had, because he had that match with me, and then he has the, the, the scalpel or the, the balcony spot with Justice. Like, that kid, that kid had some screws loose in 2019. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's like the year, like 2019 is the year where like, bit like Bishop really, yeah, like really came onto a lot of radars. I know some people Uh, like, but yeah, it's just funny how you're like, like, I'm not into the gross stuff, and like that to me is still like, especially like one match because that means I don't have to gig, um, because it's gonna cut me open the exact way I want to be cut open. So like, all in, I get the idea of like, oh, you know, there's a lot of something going wrong, but if you hit me over the head with it, or if it's like. Right across the shoulder blades, I feel pretty comfortable with getting hit with white tubes. No big deal. Yeah, I know. Keep that one. You got to keep that one. Um, Hell yeah. Well, I'll put that yeah, in my I notes. Mean, I don't know what I'll do with people, it. But, people love when uh, they see camo shorts on me. Like, yeah. they, they get a preconceived uh, well, Dom, I think, like, even, like, some of the oh, NWA fans that day were like, oh, he's going to do something super crazy. And, like, I did enough that day. Like... My goal in that Ziggy match was to make Ziggy look as good as possible because I know she doesn't get to have nearly as many singles matches as she would like. Um, so to me, it was how can I make this 100-pound girl look conceivable like she's going to beat, as Worldwide once put it, a human tank like myself. And I thought we did a great job in telling that story. Yeah, no, absolutely. A hundred percent agree. Like it definitely reminded me of like, I, I guess just because it's really the only comparison I can make is like Candice LeRae. I mean, that's, that's fitting. Um, performance in the Guerrilla Warfare uh, against the Bucks, where it's like, and, and yep. yeah. So it's just like yeah, the uphill battle. Way. Like, but like it, it looks believable. It doesn't look put together goofy. matches like that. The wrong um, way is that they they don't look for that believability in it, or like the hey, she's 100 pounds, you're 225 pounds. She has to hit you with five shots to mm-hmm. every one shot you get. Yeah, like, yeah, some, sometimes you're just like, you know, <laughs> logistics. Um, well, Dom, I, I think that's about everything I wanted to touch on. Do you have anything uh, coming up, you know, yeah, end of September, I, I October, rest of the year, the, the you want to plug or just plug your um, socials, like, go for weekend. it. Okay, well, I'll have Russell Chavo Guerrero, of all people, at that point, because uh, that's my first round matchup, so yes. weird match that's going to be. Um, through the end of the month, I wanna I'd have to look at my schedule, but I know we have I know we have Black Label Pro near the end of the month. Then we have I have beginning of October, I know I have AIW on the seventh back in Akron. Um a lot of a lot of stuff like that. Um socials at DGreeny BC. Um that is on my Twitter and my Instagram. So those are going to be the ones that, you know, you're going to want to follow. Um, BIFmerch.com is where you can get all the Violence Forever merchandise. Um, we we became real professionals, and we bought a, I bought a domain for us that I pay for every month um, that is integrated with Big Cartel, so you're able to get all active sizes, things like that. Uh, older shirts that we have, those are going to be direct-to-garment, but anything that's, like, fresh, like, 
if you guys have seen it, we have this uh, design that I had JCP Designs do, which is the Zombies album cover, but it's Kevin and I with some skeletons on it. That shirt will be active on there. Um, I put the order in last week for what we had pre-ordered, plus a bunch of extras. So check that out, vifmerch.com. If you want to check out Dominic Greeny merch, that's dgreeny.bigcartel.com. I am too cheap to pay for two domains every month. That's just me. Um, otherwise, that's it, man. It's been a real pleasure talking with you tonight. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening again. Go follow uh, Dom everywhere. Go buy the merch. Keep up with Violence Forever. Keep up with Dom Greeny. And uh, thanks for coming on, Dom. All right. We'll catch y'all later.